This evening we're continuing Philippians chapter 4, working our way through the book of Philippians. We're going to be reading verses 1 through 8 this evening. The Pew Bible is in front of you, it's on page 1250. Philippians 4, verse 1, Therefore, my brothers whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. I entreat you, Eudia, and I entreat you, Synthke, to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This is our text this evening. Let us pray before we go before the Lord. Father, we pray to receive your word. We pray that the Holy Spirit works in our hearts. We give you thanks for this evening in your son's name. Amen. So the title this evening's sermon is Barricading Our Anxiety and This Can Seem Like We're At War A Lot With The Internal Part Of Us. So a good illustration to kind of put this into perspective, I was watching a war movie one time, an army battalion was getting ready to go to the Vietnam War. And there was a group of soldiers in that battalion that had yet to experience battle. And there was an army sergeant among them. So the Vietnam War started, what, mid-60s? This army sergeant had been in World War II in Korea previously. So he's a battle-tested army sergeant. And the request was, actually it was more of a, the command was that these junior officers didn't salute this man, they only saluted their colonel. Because this man had so much respect in the enlisted ranks. There isn't a better person to train somebody to go to battle than somebody who's tasted battle themselves person who's been there, person who's done that, person who has lived it and has been shot at. Boots on the ground. Real experience. There's no substitute for the real thing. Books can only take you so far. Boot camp can only get you ready to a certain extent. It takes the knowledge and the experience and the guidance of somebody who has been there. Somebody who we can mold ourselves after in order to follow the commands that the Lord has given us. And today, or this evening, with this topic that we're going to go over with anxiety, who better for us to learn from than the Apostle Paul himself? Like we've been seeing in the past couple of lessons going through Philippians, Paul is in jail. He's in a first century jail. Not today's type of jails, a little bit different environment. But if you've ever worked in a jail, people who have been arrested and are waiting trial, the only thing, other than their family, probably their family is the number one thing on their mind, the second thing on their mind is their sentencing before the judge, the trial. Sometimes that can come in a couple weeks, sometimes that can come in a couple months, sometimes it takes a year of waiting in jail. 
Mind the circumstances, the food, the constant slamming of the doors day and night, the constant conversations that you have to sit there and listen to. Now Paul is experiencing this day in, day out, day in, day out. And yet when you read through Philippians, you won't find a hint of anxiety or worry. This is who I want to take lessons from. This is who I want to get trained for battle. I want that. And obviously he's doing that through the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm not exalting the Apostle Paul. It's God working through him. But that is the level that I want to attain in my sanctification. And this Sunday's lesson and then the following, this one's about anxiety and worry. And then he follows up with how we are to be content in all situations. But this evening, looking at anxiety, understanding this is coming from the inspiration of the Holy Spirit as Paul pens this. This is why he is able to tell us in verse 6, not to be anxious about anything. And he means this. Not to be anxious about anything. Whatever you are experiencing today, whatever you may be experiencing tomorrow, we are commanded not to worry about anything. We worry because we've developed a way of thinking that is reacting to fear within our hearts. We can't control everything. Where There's very few things that we can control. And our mind can wander. What if this? What if that? Always focusing on some kind of potential threat. Always a strain of tension within our hearts. How often are we ever truly relaxed? We're always at war on the inside, unable to turn it off. And in some cases, we can't even put the brakes on. We get so consumed about our circumstances. We can seldom relax. After a while of developing this type of thinking pattern, the small things become really big things. And the truth is, the amount of time that we as Christians spend worrying far exceeds the amount of time we spend praying and trusting in the Lord. For some reason, what we do is we put the promises of God to the side, we put our fellowship and our relationship with him to the side, and we double down on our ability. We double down and think. We double down and worry and plan and scheme and think, okay, God, I have to set you aside right now. I really have to focus. It's the opposite. We should not be doing that. When we look at life through the lens of our present state of comfort, when we get discomforted on the inside, we forget about God. We become consumed by the cares that confront us. Our focus and our attention are on the wrong things. We end up fighting with God over things that we think we need. Rather than being content and rather than being thankful with what we already have, there's a fear that we might lose something. We become consumed with worry and we're no longer filled with grace. We have a need to attain versus resting in the God who reigns 
if we struggle with materialism, always trying to gain more and more and more, always worrying that we may not have enough for tomorrow. We don't rest because we're always striving to either maintain or to gain rather than the resting in the God who reigns over it all. Our purpose that we have in our heart is conflicting with God's providence that he's bringing about. Our wants and our desires conflict with being content and resting in what God has already given. God is the one who defines our needs. God is the one who provides us for our needs. Everything we have is because God has given it. Everything we don't have is because God has withheld it. We create our own anxiety when we take these matters into our own hands. We go beyond what God has provided. We are no longer thankful. We're no longer content. We want to reach our hand out into the area where God has said no. And we start to go at war with God in our heart. And when we do so, our eyes are now off the Lord. We are not in fellowship with him. We are following the desires of our own heart. And the anxiety and the worry begins. We think it is our right to either attain a certain status or have a certain level of comfort. And we begin to judge our lives by that standard that we set up. And if we're not reaching that standard that we have set up in our mind, we think God is either failing us, not protecting us, not fulfilling our lives, and we have to go beyond what God has given us. And then when we reach that certain level, that certain standard, we turn around and we look at others and we're like, well, they haven't reached it. We begin to judge them based upon the standard that we have set for ourselves. We are the ones who are creating these needs in our mind. Needs that God has never promised. They're not needs. We call them needs, but they're not. They're wants. We think they're needs. They're not needs. They're wants. And God has provided you with this much, but he has not provided you with that much. And after a while, we get frustrated. And we begin to pursue because we think we will not be safe tomorrow if we don't have such and such. We've lost our confidence. We've lost our focus in the Lord. We've set him aside. We know better. And if all we're doing in life is pursuing these desires that we have set up, in our own hearts, God gets in the way. We begin to reject him, lose our trust in him, turn our back on him. We don't longer pursue him, we no longer pray to him, and after a while we develop resentment against him because he hasn't met a certain level, a criteria, a standard that we have put on him. And when our neighbor or our coworker or our relative or whoever we see a little bit of competition. We're trying to go in this route. They're trying to go in this route. What do we do? They become our enemy. We step over them. We hurt them. We push them out of our way because we have to be the ones who are in that spot. We become so full of self that we're no longer caring about the needs of others. So what does worry do? Worry leads us to overestimate the probability of a problem that takes place. An example. The economy starts to drop a little bit. We think in our minds, oh boy, I'm going to lose my job. Here it comes. 
We begin to worry, we begin to worry, we begin to worry. Worry leads us to overestimate the severity of what can happen. We always go to the worst place scenario. My job's gone. Our mind goes right there. And if it's not, well, it's good that I worried because I was preparing myself in case. And if we're right one time, well, that's all it takes. <laughs> if we're right one time, we think now I have justified my right to worry because now I'm preparing my heart and I'm preparing my mind for the worst. And see, it came. And if I didn't worry and if I wasn't stressed over it, I wouldn't have been prepared enough. So we justify our reason to bring in this anxiety in our life. The truth is, Jesus said, worrying adds nothing. People think that it's a strength. People think that if they're constantly going over all of the what-if scenarios in their mind, they're sharpening their mind in case something happens, that they're ready. But the Bible says that this is completely false thinking. What worrying actually is, it's a sign of weakness. It's a sign that you are not in control of your mind, that you cannot slow down your mind, that you cannot control your thoughts and put the brakes on them. That when times get tough, you're not looking to the Lord solely. You've set him aside and now you're focused on your ability to answer your own problems. It's showing that you're double-minded. And not only this, but that there has been an element of some sort of unthankfulness that has entered into your heart. The mouth may confess and profess that it loves and trusts in God, but our actions are showing the opposite of this. So this is the negative side to worrying. This is what worrying does. Let's start to build up now. We've laid that foundation. What does the Apostle Paul have to tell us here about anxiety in Philippians 4? What does the Christian have that enables them to live a life that is worry-free. And the first thing we see here in verse 4, like Paul has been saying all throughout Philippians, verse 4, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. A common theme, rejoicing in all things and in all situations, Paul is saying it again. Having the joy of the Lord at the core of your being. This is a command in scripture this is not a suggestion if you are not rejoicing in the lord we have to check our hearts why not yes we cry yes we experience sorrow these things come with everyday living but we experience sorrow we experience sadness we experience loss still rejoicing in the lord in the core of our being we endure through the difficult times because we have this joy. We trust in him completely. He is the source of our strength. He is the source of our encouragement. And this is how Paul can sit here in the circumstances he is and be completely consumed in praying for the welfare of the church and not himself. The Lord is his joy. Because the Lord is his joy, he is content Wherever he finds himself, he is able to remain in the spirit and worshiping God wherever he finds himself. So what else does Paul say? 
is at the disposal of the believer. We have rejoicing in the Lord. The second thing in verse 5, he says, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. It's another command. Reasonableness, meaning being in control of yourself at all times, and it shows by your words and your actions. We're not moved or shaken when we enter into suffering. We're not discouraged and become disgruntled and become bitter when we experience adversity. We remain in control of ourselves and in the joy of the Spirit. Our minds are still relaxed and we remain patient. A reasonable mind conducts itself peacefully in all things. A reasonable mind exercises self-control in all things. And a reasonable person endures injustices and inconveniences. See, it's easy, I should say it's easier, when you can separate yourself from people and go be alone in the woods or go for a walk in nature. Great, and I recommend that. But we're not always able to be alone. And it's when we get around other people. We may not know who they are. It may be in crowds. It may be in a building. And we just hear conversations. And we don't like to be in closed spaces. Well, this is where the Apostle Paul is when he writes this. And he's still able to maintain that, even though the environment around him is hostile. The environment around him is violent. He's still able to maintain that level of reasonableness. So you find out somebody has been gossiping about you. How do you react? You're late for an appointment and you're stuck in traffic and it's an important appointment. How do you respond? You walk out to your car after church and you see somebody came in and hit it and they took off. They didn't leave a note or anything. They had a big scratch right along the side of your car. You receive bad news from your test results about your health or about the health of somebody else that you care about. What's the first thing you do? Is it worry? How are we as Christians able to manage during times like this? How are we able to remain calm when we're in these type of circumstances? Paul gives us a little bit of more insight here. At the end of verse 5, he says this, the Lord is at hand. Now, some people say it might be the second coming. It could be. But how I see it is the Lord is at hand. The Lord is imminent. We forget that God is right here. We forget that God knows all things. We forget that God is sovereign over all things. And we forget that God's providence is what governs all things. But when we receive that bad news or we're annoyed or we're frustrated or we become angry or somebody does something to us, fill in the blank, when that happens, we don't always feel that God is in control. We don't always feel like God's providence is bringing about all things. We don't feel that way. We may know it to be true, but we don't feel it. And this is the problem. Whatever our circumstances are, whatever we're facing at any moment in time, your emotions aren't always going to necessarily reflect the reality of the situation. And the reality of the situation is God is at hand. God is near. And this fact alone is sufficient enough for us to remain 
reasonable in our thoughts, in our actions, in our activities. So why do we become impatient? Why do we worry? Why do we lose sleep? Why do we develop ulcers? Why do we break out in hives? Why is this happening? Because we do not trust the providence of God like we're commanded to do. In the moment, we don't recognize God's control. We may refuse it. We may choose not to. We may not feel it. This is the reason why we experience anxiety. This is the reason why we worry. We fail to recognize that God cares for us in every situation that we're in. We fail to recognize that nothing can happen outside of God's sovereign providential control. And if he has a plan for what has taken place, because he has a plan for all things, and he brings all things about, he has a purpose for what he's doing. We can't see it all the time. We can't understand this all the time. It may cause us pain. We may cry. We may hurt. We may experience grief. But we remain in the joy, understanding that he is here and in control over all things. Trusting in God's providence is the only remedy that can actually cure our anxiety. That God has a plan, that God has a purpose, that God's love for me never changes, that positionally I'm always standing in the love and the blood of Christ. I have his righteousness imputed to me. Nothing can take me out of his hands. No matter how we feel, no matter what our circumstances that we're facing, God in his providence, in understanding this and acknowledging this, is the cure for our anxiety. The fact that God is in control, that he hears you, that he's near. And this is not an option. We are commanded to trust in God like this. We are commanded to embrace him. We are commanded to always realize that this is the case. And we are to meditate on this fact constantly. Fear exists in our heart because of unbelief. It's not that difficult. We fear and we worry and we stress because we don't believe. We fear because we are not fully trusting in God's providence at all times. Now, there's a danger here. We're not saying, the Bible is not saying to become stoic, to become like a pincushion, to become that you're emotionless and that you're expressionless and that if you eliminate all desire from your heart and if you eliminate all love from your heart and all sensitivity, then you're a rock and nothing can hurt you. That's not what the Bible is teaching at all. Rather, what it's teaching is relational trust in God. That when the bad things and the hard things do come or do present themselves, that we are reasonable, that we are steadfast, that we have that relationship with him, that we are rejoicing in him at all times. But thankfully, Paul just doesn't leave us here. He gives us further instruction, and it's in verse 6. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So we have a responsibility when we're facing anxiety and worry. What is our responsibility and everything? To pray, 
to petition and to give thanks, meaning be content. In everything, all the details of your life, not just the big things, and this is the problem. We think if we're not facing something really big that, okay, I can step back a little bit. But it's the small things that add up to the big things that we haven't confessed and given over to the Lord that over time can become worse than the big things because we overlook them. Everything that comes our way in our life should be prayed about. Everything that comes our way in our life should be given to the Lord. Everything that comes our way in life, we should have a content heart as we go through it. So we are constantly embracing the Lord with every detail of our life. We're completely and utterly dependent upon him at all times and in all things, and we are content wherever that is. Wherever that is, we are content in that moment. And only after we've done this, this is the first step, this is our responsibility. Remember, sanctification is synergistic in the sense that it is God working in us, but then it is our responsibility to do as well. Paul tells us in verse 7, the second step. So since we have the prayers and we have the petitions and we have the um, content heart, verse 7 says, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and make and your minds in Christ Jesus. Why so many Christians suffer from anxiety today is because we rarely attain this level of sanctification. We're not praying enough. And it's not that it's quantity, it's quality prayer. And it doesn't always have to be with our hands folded and our heads down. It's throughout the day in every situation that we're facing. Whether we are stuck in traffic, whether we hear the bad news, whether we're in an environment where people's conversation is really starting to get on our nerves, we're constantly praying to the Lord. We're handing over all of these things. We're confessing to him what's building in our heart. Lord, this is building in my heart. I'm starting to get stressed. I'm starting to get full of anxiety. Lord, help me to be thankful and content in the situation I'm in. When that happens, that's when the peace of God enters into our hearts. The supernatural act of the Holy Spirit. It rests on this, the thankful heart. The solution God gives us for our worry and our anxiety is our trust and our submission and our thanksgiving is combined with the supernatural peace of the Holy Spirit. They come together and they join. And this becomes the barricade that surrounds our heart. Because the Lord can fill us with himself so much that the external doesn't come into the internal. That we are rejoicing in all things. We're giving thanks in all things. We're praying in all things. And we're content in all things. This isn't stoicism. We're not becoming desensitized. We're staying, if not becoming more sensitive to the things of the Spirit, more concerned about the needs of others, not less. But at the same time, no anxiety, no worry, because we're completely fueled in the trust, in the peace that the Holy Spirit gives us. So our hearts are at rest, our minds are at peace. We fully embrace the promises of God. We're fully trusting in His providence that tomorrow, whatever happens, God has a plan and he has a purpose that nothing is coming into our life that is outside of God's control. So it's as we submit in this, in prayer, 
with a thankful, content heart. There. If you struggle with anxiety, there's a submission issue. There's a prayer issue. There's a petition issue. There's an issue of contentness. Once we have that, then does the peace of God enter our hearts. Supernaturally take over to the point where we're not a robot, but now he enables us to be able to handle and to be able to cope and be able to trust and to be able to be at peace, which is exactly the example we're seeing in Philippians as the Apostle Paul pens this letter. He has that. He's attained that level of sanctification. This is the solution God gives in combating our worry and our anxiety. Galatians 5.22 Peace is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. It comes to us through our relationship in God. It is the peace of God because God is the one who gives it to us. We can't do this on our own. We have a responsibility to be praying, to be petitioning, and to be content in what God has given us. We have that responsibility. And at the same time, that's where the Lord meets us with the peace that passes all understanding. And according to the Apostle Paul, this type of peace is beyond human comprehension. This type of peace is beyond human ability to reason. It is beyond our ability to attain by our own senses. We receive it supernaturally. Can't create it, can't manufacture it, can't counterfeit it, can't substitute it. Comes from God. So here's the blessing in all of this. Because at the same time, we do face many, many difficult things. We don't want to sweep this under the rug and just say, this is simple, life is easy. We face complex, hard, difficult circumstances in life. There's no question. But here's the blessing in all of this. We do not have to have all of our circumstances figured out in order to experience this peace. We really don't have to have any of these circumstances that we face figured out in order to attain this peace. See, we worry because we don't have control. And we think if we have control, then we don't no longer have to worry. Well, we're not trusting in the providence of God. We're trusting in our own understanding. What this is saying here, it's not about our own understanding in the sense that you have to figure out the problem. It's a trust issue. You're not praying. You're not content. The peace of the Holy Spirit is not ruling your hearts. It's a matter of trust. It's not a matter of knowledge and control. You don't have to have it figured out. You just simply have to trust and God will provide you with that peace to endure and to get through it. It's a matter of trust from the heart, not finding the solution on your own strength. So our role is to simply trust and submit and to be thankful and to be content. Not to sit up in the middle of the night going over every what-if scenario so we have the answer in the tip of our tongue in case we face a certain circumstance, we know how to handle it. Now, I'm not saying we don't prepare, but what I'm saying is we don't put the trust in ourselves. The second we put the trust in ourselves, that's where worry and anxiety comes in because honestly, we know we're not sufficient enough to handle it. That's why we, we trust in ourselves. We know we can't handle it anyways. But we've already pushed God to the side in our hearts and are filling ourselves with our own ability when we do this. 
And once we obtained this peace, it guards us supernaturally like a concrete wall, like a fortress, like a barricade. The Holy Spirit guards our hearts and our minds, building this wall around our hearts. So worrying only tears us apart. Anxiety only corrodes and destroys us from within. It's so easy to fall into this trap. We seem to think, though, that it, it's a justifiable and, a, and an acceptable practice to do. We can rationalize our anxiety. We can rationalize our worry. We think we can add that inch to our stature that we need by constantly worrying. And a lot of times, we don't truly think it's a sin. The problem is, if we're experiencing constant worry, and we have a habitual pattern from the past of naturally tendencies going in this direction, we're not really serious in eliminating it from our lives. Somehow, some way, we think it benefits us yet, or it's not that bad of a sin. We think we can add a little bit to God's providence, and this isn't biblical. What Paul is saying here is anxiety must go. It lacks trust in God. It keeps us from experiencing this peace of God that transcends all human understanding. We walk around in life with a barricade protecting us when we are full of the Spirit. Instead of worrying, again, we are to pray, to request, to be content. These things are not optional. This is what God expects us to do as we move along in our process of sanctification. And we become stagnant and we live in our worry and we live in fear and we live in anxiety because we are not willing to let that control go. And you may say, you know, I've tried this in the past. It just doesn't work for me. I'm just a natural worrier. I've always been this way. But here's the problem with that. God's promises can't fail. God never fails to deliver. The reason you don't have the peace in your heart that transcends all understanding is not because of God. So if it's not God's fault, well then it's on us in some way, shape, or form. We're the ones hindering the process. Somewhere in our hearts we're lacking trust. Somewhere in our hearts, we choose to continue to worry. We're making this choice. We want control over our situations. There's a certain pride in the ability to overcome what comes our way. We find comfort in thinking about things over and over and over. So we struggle with anxiety. Why? Because I think deep down, many of us may actually like anxiety and worry. We may not admit that to ourselves, but deep down, it brings some type of pleasure and understanding. All of worry is sin. Our minds need to be transformed. Our thinking needs to be corrected. We have to develop new patterns of thought, which is why Paul now states in verses 8 and 9, he says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, Whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. 
These are the things that we meditate on. Not our worry, not our anxiety, not the what if. The things that are true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable. Focus our mind on these things. Verse 9, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me. Notice, he's using himself as an example here. Practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. That is a promise of scripture. That can't be nullified. If you're doing what we're supposed to be doing, the peace of God that transcends all understanding will fill your heart. We are to be constantly consuming ourselves with these things. Constantly training our minds to think this way. Each time we worry, we dig ourselves deeper and deeper and deeper into the pit. We think we're benefiting ourselves, but we're actually going down, not up. So what's the suggestion? Somehow, some way, we have to get our worry and anxiety in front of us where we're conscious of it at all times. What do we do? You can make a list. And this has helped me in the past as I've done this. What are some things that happen that trigger my worrying and my anxiety? When certain external things happen, what is going on in my heart that's pushing me from God rather than allow embracing him instead and making a list and being conscious of that list. And when you see yourself starting to go down those old ruts again, next to that list of anxieties that, can, that routinely come up in your life, have scripture. Remember, we just read this in Luke 3. Every time Satan came at Jesus, Jesus had scripture like that. Boom, boom, one after the other. That's how we are with our anxiety. When we're facing circumstances that normally bring us into that pit, have a conscious awareness that you're there again and have a way out. Scripture, prayer, fellowship, music, hymns, all of these things that are at our disposal. Consult that list frequently. If you struggle with anxiety, this lifestyle has to change. This isn't optional. God's not giving us an option here. Pray over this list and have those verses, have those friends, have those outlets ready on standby. Create this awareness in your own mind. Petition God. Cast all your cares upon him for he cares for you. Confess this to the Lord that you are weak here and that you need that peace and that you are falling short and that you're struggling with being content in your life. Confess this to God because he already sees it. You have to give up that pride that keeps that anxiety and that worry going through your mind. And this is the only way to receive that supernatural peace that transcends all understanding and to build that barricade around your heart, following the example that the Apostle Paul has given us as he sits in jail, he's rejoicing, he's content, and he's experiencing full fellowship with God and trust in him. Let's pray. Lord, so much to think about, so many things that can happen. Lord, our focus can easily go off your sovereignty and off of your providence and onto our own ability to maintain and to keep ourselves. Lord, purge this sin from, out, from within. Purge it out of us, Lord. We petition, we confess, we pray that it is there. We pray for that contentness and we pray for that peace that the Holy Spirit gives. So we give you thanks in all of this. In your son's name, amen.